Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word that it is everlasting. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of gospel, the power of the gospel, the power of Christ in us. May our hearts come alive. May we be attuned to your word today. And let eternity be awakened in hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, we're going to explore the answer to one question today. It's a question you've probably never been asked for, but it's this. What is your 200-year legacy? Does anybody have the answer to that? You want to come up and share, right? No, this is not something we think about uh, all the time, right? But it's so important that we begin to ask questions like this that are not just about temporary success, that are not just about temporary things that are going to happen, progress. But what is your 200-year legacy and what are you doing today to invest in it? A few uh, years ago, God began to stir something in my wife and I's heart and we were just struggling, wrestling with what we should do and basically what it means when you're trying to respond to the call of God and you say, I'm wrestling with it, it means that you're, you know, pretty much just delaying your obedience <laughs> most of the time. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wrestling with the call of God in my life. No, you're not. You're, you're running away from it, okay? But we were actually uh, running away. We were scared. Uh, we weren't sure that we were prepared. Anybody ever been there? God stirs something in you and you're like, I'm not qualified to do that, God. Uh, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to do that. But anyway, we decided earlier this year to make the leap and we started a platform called Family Field Guide. And the purpose of Family Field Guide is to inspire and equip families to pursue God's adventure together. Because we believe that God has called us to something greater than just to go with the flow of culture. And that if we are going to raise kids who have an identity, an unshakable identity in Christ, it is not going to happen by accident, right? It's going to take intention, it's going to take effort, and it's going to take us doing the work of the Lord to bring the kingdom into our homes and into our families' lives. So that's our heart. We have weekly posts, uh, weekly emails that go out, and then we do Facebook and Instagram posts just to really feed that heart inside of you as parents, those of you that are parents, just to help you raise your kids and to remind you of the calling that you have. Um, but you know, those of you who are parents in this room, you know that parenting can be an emotional journey, right? If you have a, how many have a, an infant in your house right now? An infant? Okay, we do too. Okay, and it goes kind of like this. You're at the highest of highs, you know, your kid's like, you need to tickle them. And, oh, I'm so, I love being a parent. This is so wonderful. And then you're like, immediately that night, 3 a.m., you're at the lowest of lows because the kid's like, you know, and you're like, what am I going to do with this baby? I feel insane right now, right? Any parents, come on. With am I alone here? No, okay, okay. But I thought, you know, how can we, communicate and think about the emotions that we're having as parents. And I want you to think even uh, what your emotions are towards your parents right now, kids, and maybe parents, what your emotions are about your parenting over the last few weeks. And I thought there's no better way to communicate that than through emojis. Because emojis are the language of our culture, right? They're like the shorthand for communicating something uh, that maybe sometimes it's a secret code and sometimes it's just a way to say something short. Now, I have to admit, 
I was a late adopter to emojis. I thought, I'm a grown man. I am not putting heart eyes on a text. Not going to do it. And then I realized that I could no longer communicate with my wife or my nieces or my mother-in-law, okay? (laughs) It just wasn't happening. I was like, what is this? And they were like, so what did you mean when you sent that text, you seemed angry? I was like, no, I wasn't angry. I didn't send you angry eyes, you know, whatever. So I had to learn to use emojis. I'm sorry. And if you don't know what emojis are, they're just like these, welcome to 2010, okay? And they're just these little like icons that you put in a text message. It helps you communicate emotion, emoji. Okay, so think about your parenting over the last month or so, and I want to go through some emojis with you. Maybe you do feel like this. You're like, oh, I just love my kids. They're just the best. I love being a parent. Oh, it's just the thank you, Lord, for letting me be. You know, you feel hard eyes towards your kids. Or maybe you feel like this. Yeah. Um, Y'all remember the part in Toy Story where the potato head sends her husband away? Don't forget your angry eyes. You know, you're like, I want to do something terrible to my children right now, right? Okay. Uh, What about this? Yes, sometimes you feel like this as a parent. Um, Your child says, Dad, um, you said not to say those words, right? And you're like, okay. And the reason that this is not a cartoon, this is a pillow, is because my sister-in-law gifted my boys with these pillows. Isn't that sweet? Don't just love sister-in-law's angry eyes. Okay. How about this? Praise hands. Like, oh, yeah, we got this. Look at us. We're like parents of the century. We're awesome. Did you just see what? Yeah. All right. How about this? Uh, yeah, hear no evil, see no evil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn around and walk out of the room and pretend I didn't see that, okay? How about this next one? Yes, sometimes you cry your eyes out. So I'm an emotional guy, okay? I, I do cry sometimes, all right? This, is, this, this emoji is not just for girls, okay? All right? Ooh, this one's kind of like, I don't know if it's like fake smile or nervous, like, oh, my kid, I hope he graduates high school. <laughs> Gets out of the house and never comes back. Okay, uh, this next one, this is one of my favorites to use. It's like, boom, that just happened. Boom, my kid just made an A on his algebra test. Boom, we just had a baby, right? (laughs) And we have all these moments, you know, that are like these boom moments. And here's where I want to get serious with you. Because I think oftentimes in life we're looking for this moment. And we measure our success by these kind of moments, right? We measure our success as parents, as, as just people, as Christ followers, by the moments that we have immediate, instant success, right? But see, what we find in, in the story of Christ and in his story that he is designing for our lives is that it's not about, boom, died on the cross. Boom, Jesus was, you know, it's not about that. God is is creating this story from beginning to end, from eternity to eternity. And yes, these short moments are mile markers, are hinge points. They're memorable moments in our lives, but they are not the whole story. And for those of you that, I'm really speaking specifically to parents today, but also to those of you who are not parents, maybe you are are struggling to have kids. Listen, there is, is a calling for all of our lives to invest in the next generation of Christ followers. There is a calling on every single one of our lives to invest in the next generation of Christ followers, whether they're your kids or they are your nieces and nephews 
or there are kids in your community, you and I have a burden from the Lord, have a calling from the Lord that cannot be denied to invest in growing the next generation of Christ followers. So what is your 200-year legacy? A few, uh, this, this last emoji I want to show you is this. This is probably not in your most recently used emojis, okay? It's not in the top 10 here. But I want you to begin thinking less about your life as these boom moments, short-term wins. And I want you to think about planting trees. I want you to think about a legacy that lasts beyond your life. I want you to think about planting seeds. Now, a few months ago, I was at the beach with my family and we were finishing up the trip. It was the last day. We were out on the beach and we were just kind of walking around. And I'm a very tactile person. I'm the kid who used to like walk into the store and like touch everything. And my mom was like, stop it. Put your hands in your pocket. You know, and I'm like, it's like a magnet. I can't stop myself, you know. And so I was reaching down and I was picking up sand and just kind of playing with it. Right? I'm, I'm 37 years old, I know, but I'm, it's okay. I can do that. So I was playing with the sand and I was interested. It was, have you ever had those moments where it's just kind of a trivial moment and then all of a sudden God speaks something to you and you're like, wow, this just got serious, God. <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm holding it in my hand and I'm seeing the, the sand kind of fall through my fingers and I was, this fear started to well up in me and I got to thinking about how time just seems to be going faster and faster and about oh man do I am I investing in my kids lives in the right way am I doing the right things am I spending this time and my resources in the right way because it feels like it's just slipping through my hands and I don't know if it's actually doing anything and then all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and he said that would be true if all that your time was was just sand. But what I want you to do is change your perspective because what you hold in your hand and these resources that you have, these precious resources I've given you, they are not sand, but they are seeds. And seeds are meant to fall from your hands. Seeds only find their purpose when they fall to the ground. And so as you see this time slipping away and as you see this energy going and as you see this investment happening, you are planting seeds. You are growing trees. The oak sleeps in the acorn. That should encourage you today that what you have in your hand are seeds. And when they fall to the ground, they reach their purpose. They're not gone. They're not wasted. They're, you're planting. You're giving seeds. There's an a, a educator. His name is John Holt. He says this. A gardener does not grow flowers. He tries to give them what he thinks they need. And they grow by themselves. We are here to create the conditions in the lives of our families. The kind, cultivate the kind of soil where these seeds will flourish and grow. Let me read to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. And this is right at the beginning of when God is establishing Israel as a nation. He's establishing how Israel is going to prosper and how they're going to grow and how they're going to continue from generation to generation to, to continue to grow and be victorious 
and, and, and multiply. This is how God is establishing that that is going to happen. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Anybody heard that before? God named Jesus said that. Yeah, this is where he got it from, okay? He says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. How are these going to be remembered? These commands, the word of the Lord, how is it going to be remembered from generation to generation? You're gonna talk about it with your kids. When you get up in the morning, when you go to sleep at night, when, you, when you're walking about your day, you're going to talk about, you're going to think about, you're going to meditate upon his commands, upon his word. And that is how the legacy is going to be passed down. And here's how I know this. Here's how I know it worked. You want to know how it worked? Because you're reading it today. You're hearing from my voice, from my mouth, the words of the Lord that were spoken 3,500 years ago. Talk about 200-year legacy. What's your 3,500-year legacy, right? And the beauty of this, and this is something the Lord spoke to me this morning, and I just really want to impress this upon you. The beauty of a legacy that we are creating through the kingdom of God is that our names don't have to be remembered. See, the world around us, everywhere we go, and it's ingrained in us because we grew up in this culture, that I've got to be somebody in the words of the prophet um, Oh, what's his name? Travis Tritt. I'm going to be somebody, right? Anybody know 90s countries fans, right? Um, So in the words of Travis Tritt, I'm going to be somebody, right? And we we are striving. We are spending so much of our energy, our precious time, our precious resources, trying to be somebody. When that declaration that Beth read and we spoke from our words says, I, you're my beloved, you are mine, child, you are mine. You know what the beauty of the gospel is? The power of the gospel is, is that he says you are already somebody. You don't have to spend any more effort, any more time, not an ounce more of sweat trying to earn your worth and to make yourself valuable to somebody. You are already of infinite worth. You are somebody. And the whole world around you tells you that you have, you, you're not there yet. You haven't, you, you're doing it, but you're not there yet. No, Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus said, you, you, child, you are mine. Because of the gospel, because of the work of Jesus, you are free from the pain, free from the struggle, free from the weight of having to make your own value. You are infinitely worth it. And God's calling now is that you would use that freedom to spread the word, to share the message of the love of Jesus and the free gift of God that is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the power of the gospel that we read in 1 Corinthians. That's the power of the gospel, that you are set free from the striving. No more striving, friends. No more trying to be somebody. You are already somebody. Amen? What is your 200-year legacy? A lot of times in life, we look at our lives and we think that life is a movie about ourselves. 
we act like life is a movie about ourselves. And we're the principal character, right? I am the movie star and this is what I'm supposed to be, right? It's back at that whole, I want to be somebody. And I have this picture of a great couple here that we know, a great family. Let's put that up there. Yep, this is uh, the Allison family, beautiful people. Dr. Dr. Allison, yes, uh, upon his graduation here. Um, and see, now in our lives, this is what we see, this is how we envision ourselves right here. This is, we are the hero, okay? <laughs> the culture says you are to be the hero. Life is about you. You are Luke and Leah. Now I understand this metaphor breaks down a little bit. Spoiler alert, Luke and Leah are brother and sister. Okay, so <laughs> just go with me here, all right? The point is that we, we have been told that we're supposed to be the hero, right? And especially parents, we're wrestling with this because we're like, I thought I was supposed to be the hero, and now all I do is raise these kids. Now all I do is cart these kids around to different things and activities. What happened to me? What happened to my movie? What happened to my stardom, right? And, and the, here's the real deal is that we're not called to be the hero, right? Let's go. The, we're called to be the guide. You are the Yoda, Mm, a doctorate I am, yes. <laughs> um, you're the guide. And the sooner that we can all embrace the fact that we are not called here to be the heroes, we are called to be the guide, to lead people to Jesus, the hero himself. We are all called young and old. Whether you have kids or you don't, or you kicked them out of your house and you're glad, whatever it is, you are not called to be the hero, you are called to be the guide. And the sooner we can embrace this calling of being a guide and love it and enjoy it, the sooner we can embrace this calling of being the seed planter and the waterer, the sooner we can be content and find joy in the world that we live in and find joy in the calling of, of knowing him and making him known, of knowing his love and sharing his love, right? Isn't that what we talk about? Andy Stanley says this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. This is, I, I've, I've read this hundreds of times and it still stirs me up every time I read it. What if my greatest calling what if my greatest contribution to the kingdom of God is not something I, that I do? What if it's somebody that I raise? What if it's a legacy that I leave? What if it's one of these seeds that I plant and it grows and it turns into a harvest of thousandfold? What if that's why I'm here? And the gospel of Jesus Christ says, the great commission says that we are called to be seed planters. We are not called to stand in our glory as the harvest, although we are the harvest. <laughs> we are the testimony. We are the living testimony of those who, whose legacy has gone before us. But our legacy will be wrapped up in the seeds that we plant, amen? So I wanna tell you a story this morning, tell you my, a little bit of my story, take you on a timeline of, of my life and my family. In 1977, my dad uh, was given this Bible it's a King James Thompson chain reference, okay, folks? This is not light devotional reading, okay? <laughs> this is serious study Bible stuff, right? 
But he was given this upon his graduation in 1977. He had, a, he had gotten his doctorate in psychology when uh, it wasn't necessarily popular for Christians to get doctorates in psychology, okay? Um, and then in, uh, in 1980, uh, September 25th, 1980, a beautiful little boy was born into our family. It's a wonderful, wonderful little boy. Uh, that was me. Okay, that was... Uh, so my family, my sister had been born in 79. My brother was 75. And so our family was just like, just this, this family that was just kind of perfect and just beautiful. And we were, and my, my dad was a, a serial entrepreneur in the, in the early 80s. He was duplicating the Bible on tape, okay? Tape, I mean like cassette tape. You know what I'm talking about? Those little square rectangle things? Okay, he was duplicating the Bible on tape. Like nobody was doing this at the time. It wasn't like this thing where you go to the store and you buy this little box of CDs, okay? It was the Bible on tape. It was like three giant boxes of 100 cassettes each, okay? And you're like, awesome, dream come true. Got my Bible on tape, right? And you, you don't carry it around on your iPod. You actually carry it around like in its own backpack. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I don't know how you kept him organized either. That always baffled me, right? So anyway, he, he did that. And then he also had a Christian bookstore. He had his pilot's license. He was like someone that uh, loved the Lord. He was never afraid to tell people about Jesus. And in 1985, he and my uncle and two other men were on, a way to, on their way to a conference. And my dad was flying the plane and about 30 seconds after takeoff, the plane went down and it crashed and all four of those men lost their lives that day. Um, families lost dads and husbands and uncles. And uh, I was four and a half years old. And I don't, I don't have any memory of my dad. Breaks my heart to think that my four and a half year old daughter would not remember me, but I just didn't, I didn't know. The only memory I have of that time is like, for some reason we went back to that field and we were walking through and we were picking up pieces of glass and I don't know, it just sticks out in my mind. And, but I don't know what his voice sounded like. We don't have these videotapes or we didn't have iPhone things. We didn't share things on social media. It was just... And I really wish that I knew him. And in 1986, a year and a half later, it was 87, my mom got remarried to my stepdad. And my stepdad was a very different man. Um, my stepdad was uh, very, used words in a very negative way in my life. And what I learned though, as I've grown up, and it's as hurtful as it was to me and as much as I've had to wrestle with this in my life, what I learned is that parents are people too. <laughs> parents are just broken people. And some of you students in here, you're, you're frustrated with your parents. You need to know that your parents are broken people too. And I know that my stepdad, the things that, the verbal abuse and the things that he dished out to us, like he felt like he had come so far from what had been done to him. And he had the stories of things that his parents did to his brothers did to him, which is terrible. But it doesn't remove the fact that it was 
very hurtful to me and to my siblings, to my mom. And so I go from this, like, what I've learned of my dad being this dream father to having a father that I've literally had five, maybe four serious conversations with in my whole life. Um, But that's why this Bible here is so important to me and my family. Because from 1977 till 1985, my dad took his pen and wrote in this Bible. And he studied this Bible. And he filled, I, I want you, if you want to come look at it at the end of this, there is not one page in this Bible that's not filled with markings, with notes, with insights, with wisdom. And in some way, through the words that he wrote in this Bible and through, this, through the word of God, like I have come to know his voice. I have received his instruction, at least in part. And this is just a book, guys, but it's, it's so, so precious to me. And it took me 30 years to really mourn the loss of my dad. It took me 30 years to really process this. And this is, I, I really felt again that the Lord was putting this on my heart to say to you is that you have to deal with the things that happened in your childhood. You have to address them. And as, pay, as much as you want to shut it down and put past the words, just, just hide the words and hide the abuse and hide the struggles, as much as you want to shove that away and never think about it again, if you choose to do that, guess who pays for it? Your kids pay for it. Your kids pay the price because you don't, you're afraid to process what happened in your past, but you must do it. You must allow the Holy Spirit to do a healing work in your life, in your past, in your relationship. You must allow him, if it's possible, to reconcile your relationship with your parents, with your siblings, with people in your life, with old teachers that said things that just ring in your life. Listen, words create worlds. Words are powerful and they can be powerfully good or they can be powerfully terrible. How are you using words? Many times those things, how you're using words is dictated by how they were used in you. You've got to process it, guys. And it took me 30 years to really even realize what I had missed. See, I used to get upset because I didn't get upset. I used to feel guilty because I I didn't feel anything. Every time April 25th would come around, I'd be like, well, man, I mean, I just, I feel like I should feel something and I'm just not and I would feel guilty. And then one day, a couple years ago, I was driving with my brother-in-law and we were going up to his dad's house. And uh, we pulled into the driveway and his dad came out of the house and all but ran over to the truck to meet Michael. And Michael stepped out and my, brother, my brother-in-law is almost 40 years old. His dad is in his 60s and they embraced and his dad held his head in his arm and kissed him. And my first thought was like, oh, 
I wish I had that. And my second thought was, but I can give that. I can create that for my kids. And guys, listen, if you were somebody, especially you men and some of you women too, if you're in this place and you can't, you just can't bring yourself to, to share that kind of emotion, do it anyway. Hug your kids, touch them, embrace them. And you say that they know I love them. No, they don't. You have to tell them your words speak life to them. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, guys. And you got to speak life into your kids. My dad, 32 years later, is still speaking life into me. His words are the seeds that fell to the ground. And my life is an example, a manifestation, a harvest of his legacy. My life is a harvest of the legacy of my mom when I would wake up in the early morning and the fog is out the front window and you, it's still dark and all I hear is the crackling of these pages. Right? You hear this sound. My mom was faithful to God's word. That's a sound in my life of legacy. And she, she prayed ceaselessly for me. And somehow, by God's grace and mercy, he brought spiritual fathers into my life. Pastor Aaron and I have a pastor, a mutual mentor and pastor, John McKenzie, who was a spiritual father to me. Guys, that's why it's so important that whether you have kids or not, that you understand the power and the importance of the calling that God has put on all of us to leave a legacy for the next generation, to care for and invest and plant seeds in the next generation. Every one of us. Maybe you're not a father, but you can be a spiritual father. Maybe you're not a mother, but you could be a spiritual mother. This is a family of God. This is a body of Christ and all these parts matter. So knowing how powerful this was in my own life, I, now that I've had kids, I've actually started to do this for my own kids. And I'm going to lay out a challenge for you. I've started creating Bible journals for my kids. So my first Bible journal I did, I did this Bible reading plan and I did, uh, got through it, wrote notes and put cross references in there and studied the Bible and I completed one. Now I'm almost done with my second one. I'm heading on to my third from, and Jen's heading on to do one for our daughter. And it's not that I believe that there's anything in and of the words that I'm putting in there that are powerful in and of themselves, but they are, I'm attaching them to something eternal. You know what, how your first investment in your 200 year legacy, the first way you answer this question is you attach your life to something eternal. And here's what the word says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. If you want to your 200 year legacy, if you wanna get it started, start investing in the word of God. Start digging and steeping your life into the word of God. And I'm gonna challenge you parents and those of you who have nieces and nephews in this place, I want you to take the Bible off the shelf and start creating a Bible journal for your kids. Start creating a Bible journal to pass down to the next generation because I am living proof 
that this legacy matters. And I want, I know that my dad's legacy is already affecting my children. And it's already, even though they don't have kids yet, but it, when and if they do, it's going to pass on. His legacy is going to live on. And whether they remember his name or not, they will know the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name. That's the legacy, guys. You're the guide. Start being the guide. And a very practical way you can do that is pull the Bible off the shelf and start writing in it. And here's the deal. Here's a little bait and switch, all right? The beauty of God's word is that it's powerful. It's living and active, the word tells us. So when you start getting into the word, and you may start this because you wanna help your kids, but it's going to change your life. The word of God is gonna get inside of you and it is going to change the way you think and the way you live and the story you are telling. It is going to change the seeds that you are planting into the fertile soil of your kids' lives. It's gonna change you. Because a legacy of biblical, a legacy of scripture outside of a legacy of biblical living is nothing. You can fill a Bible full of notes, but if you're not living it, your kids are gonna know it. I'm challenging you right now to begin creating your legacy of scripture. None of you, I'm looking every one of you in the eyes. And I know that the retention rate here is not gonna be great. Listen, I wrote a guide for you, okay? I wrote a guide, it's called A Legacy of Scripture, Passing Down a Bible Journal to Your Child. And it kind of, I know it can be daunting to think about, well, how do I do this? This Bible is huge, it's like thousands of pages. I've never, I haven't read anything beyond like, you know, my children's storybooks, you know, in the past few years. How am I supposed to do this? I wanna help you, I wanna be your guide. I wanna give you some practical tips for how to do this, some thoughts on how to practically do it. So I want you to watch this video real quick and then we'll come back and we'll close up. But this is a video about legacy of scripture. This week marks 32 years since we lost my dad. I was so young that my only memories of him come from old pictures and stories that others have told me. This is why one of my most treasured possessions is the Bible he left behind. It's in these pages and their margins that I've heard his voice and received his instruction. So a few years ago, I decided to begin journaling through the Bible so I could pass on this legacy of scripture to our children. Reading my father's words and writing words of my own for my children has had a profound impact on my life. This is why I wrote a guide called A Legacy of Scripture. I want to inspire and equip you to create a Bible journal to pass down to your child. So visit familyfieldguide.us to download a free copy of the guide and begin your legacy of scripture journey today. So this is my invitation to you. I'm not giving you this website so that I could be famous. I want you to go to this website. I want you to download this guide because it's a very practical way that you can begin answering the question, what's your 200 year legacy? I wanna share with you an inscription that my dad wrote in the front of this Bible, dated April 4th, 1978. Thought, do not weep over me when I've passed away. Sing a new song for I have entered into the presence of the Lord. 
Rather, it is I who weep for you because it is yet another season of time before you may enter. Count all things joy that you might reach your mark. In all things acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I await you in heaven. I've read those words a thousand times and they still speak life to me. They remind me that life is more than the here and now. As C.S. Lewis puts it, we, at the end of the whole series of Chronicles of Narnia, he says this in the very last page, and their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Guys, your years on this earth are merely the cover and the first chapter of the book of the eternal life that you have in Christ, in which every chapter is greater than the next. Let's invest in the short time with the limited resources we have here. Let's invest in bringing the good news power of God to the next generation. Amen.